just a discipline of uh, valuing people that you meet and remembering remembering the 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 unique stories that shape their names. Well, considering that was my father's name and you know the era in which he was born, the yeah. you know the context behind that was probably drugs, hardcore drugs. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I do appreciate that, man. That uh, that means a lot. Before I ruined it with drugs. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm calling you Nelson. I don't care. Yeah, we'll call. I'll call you Nelson on the show just because it's less confusing for for listeners, but. Yeah, it's also what everybody knows me as. So, right, right. Yeah, let's right. just go with Nelson. Nelson. And and also, once we get in towards the end of the show, I also wanted to get into, or somewhere in the middle of the show, I really wanted to get into your uh, skills at tracking down Christian game developers because that's something that he's honestly much better than me. Me? No, he's much better than me. Oh, than Zach. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I didn't see your face when you're saying that. Uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, let me put this window up. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's it's actually like really, really tricky to do, and it takes time, I think. Um, but I want to find out how you do that and how you get private audience with a lot of these guys, because yeah, it's 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 a uh, very valuable and uh, and something that no, nobody else seems to be doing. It, it's it's really easy to you know have a private audience with a developer if you're already in their house. That's oh. what I found. Wait, you live, you live, you live with Christian game developers. Uh, it, it was it was supposed to be non sequitur or whatever you call that. So oh, let's okay. just start the podcast. Yeah, yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, let's start the podcast in three, two, one. This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog, and with me today are two special guests. I'm M. Joshua Caller. And I'm Nelson, Video Games in the Bible. You are both guests on the show to talk about things. Shh, I'm going to be the host now. It's my show. Okay, so... Thank you for ceding your powers to me. No! Uh, <laughs> so uh, today we're actually going to be talking about um, why we play what we play. And I've come to find that there's a, a certain level of uh, expectation. If you go around and you tell people, and someone asks you, do you play video games? Uh, that used to matter, like, say, 20 years ago, that there was only so many games in the market. Nowadays, there's uh, any given week, there's a good 50, 50 to 100 games coming out, and that's not even inc- if you include all of what's coming out on iOS and Android. So there's just so many games coming out. So the question is no longer, do you play? I mean, my, my, my wife's aunt, who recently passed away, she was an amazing Candy Crush Saga player. Uh, she was like level 277 or something like that, and she was in her late 60s. So the, the, the demographics behind whether or not you play games is no longer the question. The question now is, what? What do you play? And so... I've, I personally have found that there are uh, three categories that, that fall into what I play. Um, but before we get into that, I want to hear from you guys. What would you say are the kinds of games that you play? And we're going to go with Nelson first, and then we'll come to Zach. All right. Oh, gosh. You really have to start with me? Yes, you. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Be yep, prepared yep. now. <laughs> uh, I, I think that there's uh, a few games. I, I, I would say there's also three categories. There's the games I review, and a lot of that is... Um, you know, either games I'm looking over for feedback or to, to talk to developers about them, or, and, uh, or just for video games in the Bible, games we want to promote on the website. 
and you know even um, I played through Bioshock Infinite uh, to for uh, research for an upcoming article and such. It was an interesting experience, but yeah, you know there are the games I play for review, then there are the games I play in my personal time, which you know it's a bit harder to get to those. What would and, what would qualify as some of those? Like what what would you say are games that you play because you want to play, not because you have to? Well, uh, the games I review are games I, you know, I, I really, you know, want to play as well. I've been blessed to sort of, you know, I get the chance to um, sort of share the awesome things I've been able to find with my audience, you know. Yeah, uh, so yeah, that's yeah. awesome. But as far as, you know, stuff I play in my personal time, um, uh, sometimes it's stuff I've reviewed in the, pl- in the past. Sometimes it's games that people have seen on my Steam list and they are coerced me into playing again. And then I get addicted and I hate them. Like what? And then... <laughs> Speedrunners, that was a big one. Oh wow, cool! They tricked me. They tricked me into playing it again, and I can't stop thinking about the giant chicken man. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so there's games I play in my personal time, such as that, and uh, maybe like uh, the big console AAA stuff, like Shadow of Mordor, Tropico. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm, surpri- if I'm surprised about- that you use Tropico as an example of a big AAA game, but it's definitely a well-known one. Well, it, 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 it's it's a game, you know that. Uh, I got on my personal time, and you know that even though it's cool and it's relatively, you know, uh, whatever, it isn't exactly something you put on video games in the Bible. We endorse Tropico. Yeah, the game where you play as political opponents. I would. Yeah, I would endorse it. Where Fidel Castro <laughs> is is the the only character you can play as. Yeah, is that accurate? Honestly, I have never played a Tropico game, but I considered it, even though I hate RTSs. Uh, oh. It's more like a simulation game than a real time strategy. Oh, okay. It's that- like it's like The Sims. If what you're controlling was a backwater, uh, it was a, di- a backwater dictatorship. Yeah, and tropical okay. island somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe maybe I should actually try it. You, you yeah, you can dress up your president with like uh, clown hair and weird glasses and <laughs> yeah, and then so, kill yeah, people. <laughs> <laughs> you mean dispose of them? Mm. Uh, and then a there are magic the games- van comes up and offers some candy, and then they try. <laughs> Uh, no, but I do like how you know the violence in that game. Uh, it's it's sort of you know you'll see people fall over or whatever. You don't like see like the van pull up and then Zach pops out and says, "Hello, would you like some candy?" <laughs> I can Which, be very convincing. <laughs> and then and he has uh, like sticks of sticks of like uh, candy just like flying out of his hands and shaking him all over the ground. <laughs> <laughs> making it rain <laughs> and, and then uh, yeah the, the games I review then there are games I play on my personal time and uh, yeah. that I enjoy and then there are games that I play because uh, as you know uh, those who know video games and by and following us and maybe listen to some of our interviews I'm a younger dude uh, much younger than uh, the people on this podcast young. And hey you know, I'm young younger dude <laughs> I'm the old guy on this Josh podcast Josh is our elder statesman yeah yeah yeah. Anyway, but yeah. And what, what were yeah. you saying about you being a baby, Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> and so being a little baby, I missed out on a lot of the uh, big formative experiences like uh, the touchstones, uh, the gaming touchstones at least. Uh, not so much the culture, but the gaming touchstones such as, you know, the original Dos X and such. So yeah. there are games like that that I, I consider like essential to really understanding the mindset of game designers that uh, – I play, and uh, some of those was like Monkey Island. I, I, oh, yeah, I yeah. went to that when I was younger. I missed I missed that too, so don't feel too bad. Yeah, I, I have not played Dosex yet. Yeah. I, well, I Dose 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 D
Yeah, and that's and that's the thing that's great about about that that particular game. Is there's so many games that are inspired by it. If you can believe it, Deus Ex was one of those games that I in, impulse bought when I walked into a a a, 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 a Babbage's. <laughs> <laughs> that is a weird game to impulse buy. It really, really is, because um, I got it on Mac back in the year 2000, shortly after oh, it came man. out. So you were like a true hipster. You were using the Mac back before it was cool. Uh, well, kind of, I mean, it was starting to be cool. That was back when uh, the, the iMac had all the, the special colors and gels. So I had the uh, the, the ruby red uh, iMac, which <laughs> which had a whole 10 gigs on it. It was amazing. Not oh, really. Man. You yeah, were one of those bad. people who bought a, a Game Boy Color, weren't you? No, no. I bought I, one. I, I got my computer. I got my that computer back then because of the fact that I was uh, getting really into video editing when I was in high school. So, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because was- and, and and it was a, a terrible system to, to do video editing on. Honestly, I don't know why. <laughs> I uh, I wish I wish that I would have had a mentor to, to tell me you, you're going to need more than uh, more than ten gigs and <laughs> <laughs> don't buy iMac. Yeah, use well. I don't know. I just I just it was the the best thing for me at that time. I guess. But anyway, so uh, Zach, what what kind of games do you play? Uh, I obviously have a preference towards character action games for some reason. Oh, really? But I will play pretty much anything, as long as it's interesting and it piques yeah. my interest. And and what what piques your interest? What would you say are the qualifiers for piquing your interest? Uh, why do people like this? That's mostly what I want to find out, right? Uh, that makes sense because that that explains why you recently on the theology gaming site review started to review uh. The original Modern Warfare, Call of Duty yeah, 4. Call of Duty! Call yeah. of Duty! <laughs> <laughs> I think the second time you had it more accurate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I liked Call of Duty. But actually, you, you, you brought up a lot of the things that um, I forgot about, and we lose in the uh, cultural touchstones of Call of Duty being the, the fat man on campus. Yeah. Um, considering, like, it actually was really subversive for, it, for, you know, when it came out. And each game tries to continue to be as subversive yeah, as the original weird. was. But it's it's a it's a hard trajectory to follow. Yeah, I don't know if it's like the best game, but at least it's competent enough that I'm not that mad about its popularity. But it's interesting that you specifically pick out games that are about uh, understanding other uh, cultural touchstones in in uh, the world of, of game players. Yeah, it, I don't know why, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. might just be an unconscious impulse to yeah. figure out why people like stuff. Yeah, that's actually really really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, well, obviously Bayonetta is more like I like this crazy thing. Or <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's actually really good. But uh, or, or to understand the mind that created that game must be a task unto itself. Yeah, yeah. That is <laughs> really I, I'm good. still trying to figure out uh, Hideo Kojima. You know? Yeah, he's more actually, like I will poke at this thing until I get a reaction. I wrote, I wrote an article earlier this year about um, I I, I was like I, I I get it now. Metal Gear Solid is a joke. Kind of, right? sort of. Right? And, that, and that, was the, that was the tone, is that, like, I left it with a question mark, because there's things that are very, very earnest in there, amidst the horribly, horribly, this is so bad, the only way that people, like, <laughs> like it's literally him putting the worst things he can put into a game to tell people, you should not buy my games. Like, he's, he's literally trying to make things in games that make you say you shouldn't do this anymore. And so he can stop. Like he wants to retire, but no one will let the Metal Gear Solid franchise die. Yeah. Because they keep buying it. And and Konami's like, you can't hand this off. You need to make the next one. Yeah. It's so weird. So it basically is his, uh, coerced 
forced vehicle for expression. So he must make everything under the Metal Gear banner. Yeah. So um, exactly. That explains the design of Quiet. Uh, well, it, the concept of taboo is what made her come about. And he said everyone yeah. would be ashamed once they found out her backstory and why she's in the game. So he likes playing with your expectations. Yeah. Well, actually, we saw Metal Gear Solid too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I find really interesting, and this is this is I'm just going to touch on real quick, is uh, Ryan Payton from Camouflage. He's the guy who he's the lead developer behind uh, the 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 game uh, Republic, which is on iOS and soon coming to Steam. And my pick for stealth game of, of this year so far, um, because he actually worked on Metal Gear Solid Four and actually brought a lot of he was he was a, a an, an American who spoke perfect Japanese who was over there and just by chance was able to leave a terrible English as a second language day job at a dying school and got into uh, the onto Kojima's team and made Metal Gear Solid 4 more palatable for a Western audience. Uh, and that, that, was, that was essentially his, his role on the team was, was how do I uh, help this to be translated better? And that's why Metal Gear Solid 4 has, uh, despite a lot of the, the things that I hate about it, still has way better controls than any of the other uh, Metal Gear games because it had that, that, that cultural sensibility of maybe we should make games people can actually play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, then the interminable cutscenes kind of ruin that, but... Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. But that, I mean, that, that's, that's Kojima trying to screw up his, own, his game while, while, uh, while Ryan was trying to make it uh, less terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Let me resolve every plot point. But I don't really care about any of these plot points. So, nanomachines, son. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, for, for, as, as for back to the subject, um, there's three games that I, I would have just defined as... There are three categories of games for, for that I play. And I think that this is... The, the surprising thing for me, I think, for you, Zach, is learning that, that you actually fall into one of these... Uh, you, you fall into multiple, multiple categories in this as well. Huh. Um, even though I would have shoehorned you like a jerk and said, well, Zach only really likes character action uh, mechanics-driven games. I kind of prefer um, them, but they just end up when I want to play them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so, But the three categories, um, instead of me prefacing for all the time, is mechanics-driven mechanics games, which are uh, a little bit more about our enjoyment as the player. Then you have games that are about others, which I would say are things like empathy games, uh, like Papo and Yo, and uh, Spirits of Spring, uh, and uh, even This War of Mine, which just recently came out, um, and, and Never Alone. Never Alone is another game that just came out this week that I am, I've also been playing. Uh, and then on the, uh, the third category uh, is games that are about playing with others, um, that are specifically about bringing you together with others. And so this qualifies as speedrunners, um, which, which Nelson brought up. Uh, it also qualifies as uh, anything where you're sitting on a couch. It's inspired by sitting on a couch with other human beings in some way, shape, or form. Um, and uh, so this also includes, like, screen sheet and uh, thinking of more popular games like uh, uh, Smash Brothers, uh, Rock Band. I don't like Rock Band, but um, it's definitely one that, that brings people together. Same with... Uh, even Halo. Halo is also really good. Mario Kart. Those are all really good games that drag drag people together. Um, but what I've been finding out lately is that of these three categories of mechanics, uh, games about others, and games that you play with others, um, that there's starting to be some bridges between each one of those three categories. Um, and 
I'm, I'm going to, to lead with one example, and then uh, I want to hear from you guys if you can think of other games that really bridge the the gaps of different kinds of play preferences. Uh, for, for me, I brought like I already brought up is uh, this War of Mine. Now, uh, Zach, have you heard about this War of Mine? Uh, you made a YouTube video about it, and I watched it, and I didn't really get it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. And Nelson, have have you have you seen much about this War of Mine? I've been researching it a whole lot, and uh, as soon as I get an open spot, I'm going to be trying to cover that on Video Games in the Bible because we are always interested in, you know, whenever... Usually, we're so focused in the industry on guns, explosions. Yeah. You see a, something like Papers, Please that covers a sensitive subject in a um, uh, appropriately and respectfully. It's very rare, and uh, I'm always interested to see more of that. Exactly. And Papers, Please is another game that does an amazing job of being both an empathy game and also uh, a, a very mechanics-driven game, uh, considering it, it takes the, 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 the sheer mechanics of, of being a uh, customs agent in a uh, checkpoint, in a security checkpoint on a border, um, and somehow makes all of that feel, like, really fun in a weird, like, tense, I gotta get this right kind of way. It, it actually reminded me of my time working in a library because yeah. uh, at, you always have to check people's um, information, you know, uh, make sure that the stuff on their library card matches up with their uh, official information, that they don't have anything on back order, that they don't uh, haven't have a book over like – we found – I've had books like over 300, like over several years due. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – you know, it, it it gets to a point where it's sort of like uh, I was an intern, so I wasn't there for too long. But I sort of got to the point where it was like, I see this book is overdue. Where is it? Where did you put this? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> where are the drugs? Reminded, it, def- <laughs> it Sorry, definitely that put me in that same mindset of you know making sure. Okay, is your information perfect? And it really yeah. tapped into the OCD part of my mind, which was shocking that it can contrast that with. You know, you just rejected a uh, a cancer patient. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. games like that are very emotional and uh, do something different, which is vital. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, as for uh, this War of Mine in particular, um, the one thing that I think that's fantastic about this War of Mine is that it's set in wartime in a country very similar to Bosnia. um, And it was inspired very specifically by the letters of a survivor of the Bosnian conflict who basically just told people what it was like growing up as a civilian in a country ravaged by war where the government is fighting with the rebels and civilians are caught in in the midst of that just trying to survive. So this War of Mine borrows from uh, the, I would say, the the crafting and survival games that have become popularized by Don't Starve and maybe even like uh, Daisy, only there's there's no uh, fighting. Uh, or, well, actually, there there is fighting, um, but it's it's not encouraged in any way, shape, or form. So if you actually take a life in the game as one of the player characters, um, now you're controlling three characters at, at uh, maintaining order for a household of three three characters. And a household is probably used loosely considering you're living in a, a shanty of a shelled out house. Um, but the, the the combat does exist. But if you take a life, um, more than likely, it's going to cause post. Uh, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder within that character and they might not even be able to do anything else because they're just thinking about how much they hate the fact that they had to kill someone for what they had. 
And, um, and actually, I saw a lot of the articles that were coming out. People were talking about they hated themselves after the game because, you know, there's an elderly couple in the game. This isn't uh, spoilers. It's just something that no, came across. It's, it's, it's something that happens, yeah. And so this elderly couple, you know, um, it's randomized. You know, sometimes they'll have a son. Sometimes they won't. But, you know, uh, one writer, I think it was for Eurogamer, he said that uh, he had people in his camp who needed medicine and that family had the medicine and so yeah uh the boy found him rummaging through their stuff and taking the medicine and uh he ended up shooting the boy of the old uh the uh, the old couple and he said not only did he feel terrible about it but the characters in the game walked around depressed and so it was just like it brought that reality to life and conversely the one one of the things that for me like i i i had a i was given the privilege of of uh playing it much earlier before it came out because of uh, my connections in game church and uh i i had i had been able to to get a, a good gist of what the game was about so now that i'm playing the the final build i've realized that there's so much of uh not trying to to hurt be trying to be as as uh, non-violent and forgiving and gracious as possible in the game while also trying to get everything i need for my crew uh which i th- i think might be the 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 quote-unquote right way to play. I'm not sure. Um, but that's that's how I prefer to play games anyway. So when I I found that when I came across a guy who had a sniper uh, sniper bullet through his leg and that was caught in between a junction between snipers, that uh, once I found a way to get him to safety and back to his infant son, um, he was so thankful um, and so great, graciously pleased with, with how I was able to save him that... Uh, it brightened the mood of everyone back at home when they found out about what Pavel had done. Um, and uh, also, I, he, he was the, the, the man was so thankful and gracious that he ended up giving me and revealing his secret stash of, of uh, jewelry, which is very useful for, for trading for necessary things. And if you had been a jerk and just left him, then you would never have – that never would have happened. Right. You would have never known. Yeah. So it's it actually is a game that encourages um, – uh, graciousness in the time in, in wartime, which you know doesn't necessarily fall into the Fallout, uh, the, the Fallout Three mindset of um, I'm either going to get karma, positive or negative karma, <laughs> but it it, it definitely function, falls into the category of um, everything that you do having consequences. If if I might get on my itty bitty soapbox, soapbox yeah, get real up, quick, get up there, I really get do. Up there. Yep, get up there. <laughs> my, li- my, li- my little baby soapbox. Um, here, here, here. That- Hold this Bible. <laughs> I think that the karma system is honestly at this point it's a bit outdated because um, you know it tells you oh you got renegade or paragon points yeah, what does that yeah. mean that I'm more objectively good you yeah, know and, uh, and that and that's that's the thing that I, I definitely see is on its way out in every in every venue um, and it was really weird in like uh, infamous for example the first time that you get a a, a junction point like that it's like do we uh, share this the, the supplies that we just got with all the civilians, or do we kill the civilians and take it for ourselves? Uh, that's not exactly. I wouldn't have actually been thinking that if it was an emergent, uh, just mechanical thing in the game. I would have just, you know, decided for myself. Yeah. I wouldn't have actually killed anybody to take it if I would have taken it. You know, yeah, but numbers, like, but numbers, quantifiable. Quantifiable moral reactions. <laughs> yeah, quantifiable moral reactions. And that's and, and, that's, and, and that's the thing because it's so black and white. Like, okay, do you give your grandmother a hug or do you shove her off a cliff? Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it, 
in Infamous, I played through Infamous Second Son. It, mm-hmm. You feel sort of hamstringed because it's like, okay, um, you're either good or bad by this one or two choices you make when really um, uh, it's trying to turn it. It ultimately turns out to how you want to be as a player. You have to you decide before you even start playing the game that oh I want to be I want to take the good path or the bad path so I can have the super mega ultra bomb of fieriness. Exactly. So it it doesn't turn it into an actual moral decision, but into a gameplay decision. Do I want yeah. the super ultra mega ultra bomb, or do I want the namby pamby uh, heal soft touch heal ability? Although that is exactly. fun in some way. <laughs> It, it is it is fun in some way, but it's definitely not uh, the, the the kind of moral conundrum that you would want. Uh, that 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 I think that that game makers are are romanticizing right now, um, where like like uh, Nelson had brought up in in Papers Please how uh, you know you you have to deal with your own level of forgiveness for the decisions that you're making on how you manage your resources with your family. Um, and that's and that's of course the same thing with with uh, this war of mine. Man, you guys like games about future dystopia. <laughs> well, it's it, no, but but this that's the thing though. With this war of mine, isn't about a future dystopia. It's actually about um, a, a clear and present or uh, present reality. dystopia. Well, well, either way, well, yeah, this, dysto- dystopia would would would, would usually has the in- implications that it's that's the uh, the entire speaks to the entire state of the world. But I think that the thing that makes this war of mine particularly fantastic is the fact that it's not about zombies it's not about the apocalypse it's just about and it's less about what has what will happen or what has happened it's just about what happens when when countries fall into uh, into disarray due to a violent conflict yeah basically me and josh both like playing games that make us feel horrible afterwards yeah i don't know uh, what the hell's well, going on kind of kind of yeah <laughs> And that's and that's the thing. Like I, I, th- I think that there's there's a certain aspect of uh, the mechanical tension that makes makes that enjoyable, specifically in Papers Please and This War of Mine. That just doesn't come up a lot. In uh, I, I guess another another game that really does that is like uh, The Walking Dead or um, or uh, this The Wolf Among Us. I, I think those both did a good job of you know it never told you that this is good or bad. It's just like okay, here's you know, here's the garbage. Which piece of garbage do you want to choose? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to rip the guy's arms off, or are you going to look like a wuss? <laughs> <laughs> it's like going into those games. I always feel like I'm already being manipulated in some way because I know those things are going to come up, and it's like I I know that this is how it's supposed to be played. Kind of like going in without any preconceptions, but I can't help myself because I'll be critically evaluating like where will this decision lead and. I know I will have to make a decision that goes against my morals or something like that. And I go, well, I don't need to play this manipulative moral experience. Thanks. <laughs> and, and I think that's actually a really good segue to um, bridging the gap to this, this, of this conversation of empathy slash mechanical games to the other, the other category that I brought up, which is uh, multiplayer games. Yeah. And so I think when I, when I think of uh, games that really uh, challenge your, your perhaps moral fiber – uh, you don't typically think of something like Fortune Street, or maybe you do. <laughs> all, all I know is, uh, Mister Monopoly. We have never bought. We we bought. We had a Monopoly game board once. We never bought. We never had one again. Yeah, I'm just gonna yeah. leave it at that. Yeah, that's that's. Let's just say my. Let's just say some. I'm not naming names, but my dad cheated. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but everyone knows now. Someone took Boardwalk. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Zach, um, would you would you say that – now, I know that, that – I don't know a, a lot about Fortune Street, to be honest with you. But I know that you and your family have played it a lot and that a lot – it's very similar in, in uh, concept to Monopoly but much more – uh, much more mechanically challenging and fun. Also, yeah. perhaps ju- just as cutthroat. Uh, yeah, the difference mostly is stock trading. Okay, it's not a big difference, but it's a difference nonetheless. Yeah, but have you ever felt like a terrible person for how you've played that? No, <laughs> no, because <laughs> everyone else deserved it. <laughs> so, would you say that when you're dealing with the computer, uh, sometimes you feel helpless? And sometimes, uh, sometimes you can feel helpless when you're getting beaten. Sometimes you can feel empowered. But you know, uh, sometimes depending on how the, it's characterized, such as in Paper Please, you know, you feel bad from your actions. Whereas, you know, if it's your family member smiling, sitting right next to you, and you've just destroyed them in Fortune Street or even in Monopoly, um, if you don't treat it like a death match, like my family does. Uh, <laughs> Would you say that that sort of it takes you out of the experience a little bit, so that you know you still have that sense of fun without? Oh my gosh, it's just me and the computer screen, and I just destroy this world. Well, it's a different kind of experience. Yeah, yeah, that's a valid point. I don't think so, it necessarily takes you out because you already know that you're going to be talking to other people while you're playing it, so it's not like a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, the game is the game, and outside the game is outside the game, and yeah, sometimes you- they intersect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's, for some people, it's very hard to d- to distinguish between the magic circle and uh, when you're not in the magic circle. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the magic circle for for listeners who aren't completely familiar is something that they talk about in game design all the time. Of uh, you know, what happens in in the game stays in the game, essentially. Yeah, like when I shoot people in the face, it stays in the game. <laughs> right, right, right. And and that's actually one of those you know many people, many sociologists have 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 come to the conclusion that people who play games where you do that in a game are less likely to react in, the, in a violent with violent tendencies in real life because they I guess have an outlet I think that's I think that's the, the, the common thing that I hear a lot in those sociological studies uh, I don't think it's desensitization because no oh, I mean, that's like, not what I'm saying like real I'm violence saying. like freaks me out but yeah, <laughs> in yeah. violence I'm okay with yeah, yeah. Well, and, and yeah. I guess I'm just trying to relate to the subject of magic circle, but um, magic circle, I'm, magic circle. So I'm going to bring it back around a little bit. Um, to uh, there's there's one game that I've played that has actually linked up my my love for mechanics, my love for uh, games about others and games with others, and that's a game that I would call. Uh, I don't know why I game. would call no. I I I, I would have I, I would call the perfect game. It was my favorite game of of 2013. The perfect and, game. And it was also it also just so happened to be free. It's called Space Team. And if you guys play Space Team, I've heard of it. Not. Okay, what you guys need to do is if you have a smartphone that runs Android or iOS, you can just go get it for free. Yeah, I think um, I have it. I just haven't played it yet. Yeah, and that's the thing. You just have to find an opportunity and it's one of those rare games that my wife actually likes, so that already gives it like plus 15 points. Um, my dad actually likes, my mom actually likes. Um, and and the fa- whenever I can find a game that my dad actually likes is, or, and my and my wife is super impossibly rare. Um, but the thing about Space Team is basically you all have a, on your phone a, uh, a dashboard um, on each level, and the dashboard will tell you things like turn Hippoflange to seven, 
uh, or, or you'll see like knobs and, and, and levers and all sorts of weird little objects on the screen that simulates a uh, the, the, the workstation on a spaceship. And it's all sorts of weird things like hippoflange and jabberavla, you know, and some, sometimes... <laughs> Some, sometimes they, they literally don't have names. Some, sometimes you're looking at your, your dashboard and it just has symbols. And that's later in the game when it gets much harder. Sort of like um, Prince. It's just like Prince. It's just like his symbol. Um, <laughs> he's just he's not even a person. He's just the symbol. He's not he's not a person anymore. He's just a, he's he's a brand. Uh, so then and 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 then what happens at the top of your screen is it says do this. So it'll say like like I already said like turn hippoflange to seven or or engage hyper tube or turn nano nano gander to what you know it's all these weird made up space spacey words but you have to shout them out at the other players and the only way for you to win is to work as a team is to listen and and speak at the same time so the whole goal of the game is mutual communication but also realizing okay if i if i see an instruction at the top is that me or is that somebody else because uh, sometimes it'll it'll say something and you're like, oh, that's me, and you have to actually do that on your screen. Um, meanwhile, your the actual display is completely falling apart because your ship is conceptually flying through hyperspace or trying to get fast enough to go to hyperspace, and so everything is falling apart. Goo is calling, falling all over the screen. Got to wipe it away, and and panels are falling off, and you got to shift them back into place and and fix fix them so you can actually use your dash again. Um, and it's actually a roguelike. So each time that you play the game, it's different. Um, I'm it's looking perce- at this now, and oh my gosh, this is beautiful. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the visuals might not be the most beautiful thing, but the actual me- inter- interchange of uh, communication with other players is fantastic. It's just so much fun. It is stressful. That's the one thing that my wife doesn't like about it, is that it is very stressful. But I love that about it, because it's mechanics-driven. Um, and the it's communication-driven about you... Uh, working with other players, but it's also about you learning other players, learning how to communicate with them. Um, and and the more that you develop a, a good ability to communicate with the other players, the further you get in the game. What 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 is the smallest number of people you need? And um... the smallest number you need is two. Um, and the game has a uh, big, massive game type, which basically is as many people as you can fit in the game that your your local area network will allow. It's best if you play over Wi-Fi. You can also play it over Bluetooth, uh, but I think that the the Bluetooth limits it to just iOS at that point. Um, but if you're if you're in a place with Wi-Fi and you all have smartphones, you can play it. It's super duper easy to do. Um, and uh, how many people? Well, oh, between two and four, essentially, uh, to, to to run solidly. Um, but you can add you can add more than that. You can have like ten conceptually. I would not recommend that because then it's a room of ten people <laughs> shouting at one another and trying to hear at one another at the yeah, same time. That'll work. Yeah, it probably <laughs> won't. It's it's funny. It's funny concept, but I'd say that the the sweet spot is uh, between three and four people. Yeah, I'm looking at it, and that is yeah, it definitely can, does remind me of a game that uh, brings you together. It has sort of that. Uh, it's mechanics driven. It definitely does. Uh, I can see why you chose it as game of the year now. Because usually when I see trailers of people playing a game, like, you know, usually like the Nintendo or Xbox trailer, I'm just yeah. sort of like, oh, it just looks so fake with people, you know, right. waving their controllers all in the air. And, you know, we don't do that. We're just sort of like, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but seeing them play this for it actually looked real and fun, which, you know, is a testament to, you know, the game itself or the people, the director. 
And and now I know a lot of people will like like when I first heard about it, I was like, I'm going to go download this on my phone right now. And then I didn't find anyone to play it with for like two months, so I didn't actually get to experience what it was like. But once I did, and once I was able to play with friends and convince them that this was worth trying, um, I was very very pleased. Considering I can't tell you, I'm, I'm always the guy who's trying to shill games on my friends. Um, my my wife my wife literally hates it and doesn't trust me at all. Um, <laughs> because probably because there's been way too many times that I was like, here, try this. And I, I didn't think there, I, I thought there might be a small chance she'd like it. And, and, um, nine, 9.5 times out of 10, she hates everything that I share with her. So that, that's probably, that's probably a fair, fair uh, have you showed her that war of mine yet? No, no, I don't think I'm... Actually, I might, because one of the very few game series that she's liked is The Sims. And uh, I've heard a lot of uh, people say that this War of Mine is like The Sims in wartime. Um, because you have the, 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 the three people in the house that you're kind of managing with uh, a set number of resources and uh, uh, on a trajectory for time. And so it's kind of... A, it's very similar to The Sims in that sense. Um, so... I might I might try that with her. I I don't at, the, at this point what I really really want to play with her is is Never Alone because um, I'm trying to, yeah, to review I'm Never sorry. Alone. Um, Zach, what do you know about Never Alone? I don't even know what it is. Okay, okay, cool, cool. cool. I am not on the pulse of indie games. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, so Never Alone has gotten a ton of press in in the spheres where I am, but I realize that that's not where everyone else is. Never Alone is a game about the Inupiat people, I believe is how you say it, um, which is uh, another word for um, what we typically say as the Inuit people of uh, northern Alaska, Canada. Um, and uh, the, the, these uh, these people have basically formed a team around uh, cultural, cultural um, historians, and uh, they just wanted to tell their story of what the, their people group is like. Uh, through the medium of games. And so Never Alone has the very, very clear empathy game kind of tone to it, only you're playing as... It's it's, it's called Never Alone, so there's an implication to it that you should be playing this in, in two-player co-op. It's not... It does have a single-player co-op mode, but everybody that I've talked to who's played it in that mode, like myself even, have found that the uh, the controls of the AI does, isn't always very smart to follow you, um, and it's much better played with an actual other human being. Um, but there's you're basically uh, a little a little girl um, from from this uh, th- this this uh, native native uh, Northern American tribe uh, who has to basically a, a, a blizzard uh, a never-ending blizzard has come and she's trying to get to the other side of it um, with her best friend who is a white a white snow fox. And uh, players can either inhabit her or the snow fox. And it's very similar to Limbo in gameplay so far. However, um, once you reach a uh, cultural landstone, like when you first find the fox, um, you'll, you'll, be, you'll receive an invitation to watch a video uh, about uh, one of the people from this tribe sharing his, fo- his grandfather's relationship with one of these white foxes. Um, and that, that, that experience carries through the game. Uh, at its whole, I'd say it's probably very similar to Limbo length of about three hours. Um, from everything that I've read, I've, I'm only I'm only like half an hour into it myself. Um, but the 
this this is definitely much more in the empathy camp. This is, uh, I'd say, much more singularly in the empathy camp, except for the fact that it's got co-op, and the co-op is what brings it into that couch multiplayer uh, category as well. Uh, but definitely not a, uh, a mechanics-driven game. Hmm. Uh, I'd actually say the most affecting um, co-op game that I've ever played is... It sounds a bit ridiculous, but uh, Castle Crashers? Uh-huh. Yeah, Castle no. Crashers. What, what has been the most affecting about that for you? Uh, I played it with my sister when uh, we were younger, and... We we would play through it and we we were, we would level up and you know she was a slightly uh, lower level than me and I tried to keep it that way as much as possible mm-hmm. to feel better about myself. Um, <laughs> How much younger but, than you is she? Uh, she's a she's like a she's a younger. I don't I don't know if she wants me to reveal all that or if I should, okay. but yeah, she's okay. she's younger than me. Okay, uh, which. Fortunately, will always stay. That's the same um, until I die. <laughs> yeah, which is. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, what was okay. what, what was the core thing that made the the quality of the experience with Castle Crashers? Um, I think it was when we hit a roadblock. We uh, yeah. were at like level thirty, forty, both of us, it's and we high. got to this certain point in the game where level thirty, forty just wasn't cutting it. You yeah. know, uh, uh, I Zach, you played Castle Crashers. I played it enough to know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I've only played it for about an hour, and I realized like I did. It, there, there was something about the uh, the hit spacing that that wasn't wasn't clearly working for me. Yeah, it's that two D side scrolling brawler kind of thing. Where I was like, um, my axe is supposed to be connecting with this guy. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but so when we hit that roadblock, what happened was for the first time in my life ever in a video game. We grinded. We ground and we ground and we ground against the same enemies over and over and over until we finally uh, got past that and beat the game. Huh. And I just, I just remember it meaning a lot to me um, just that we had done that together, that we had yeah. endured that crucible of fart jokes and poop, which is a behemoth game, yeah, to yeah. eventually uh, defeat it. You know, So, yeah, yeah that, awesome. and, that, that and the Portal 2 co-op were both very affecting because – and that one, because we finally finished it, I was happy about that because she kept throwing me into the lava, which is a different yeah, yeah, story. Yeah, and that, and that's something that you just kind of have to go through the, the the cycles of. I think a little bit with with portals that it is the fu- the funniest part of the game is is uh, hurting the other player. It's good. It's good to see you guys are like my sister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the best compliment I've gotten all day. Fortunately, it's early. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, I think that that actually pretty does a pretty good job of wrapping, wrapping things up. Um, before before we go, I will just leave. Is, are there any other games that you would say have really bridged different kinds of play type gaps for you guys? Um, World of Warcraft. How so? Because it is like the one game, or all the games are inside the one game. Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Can you yeah. can you explain that a little bit to those of us who hate MMOs? Well, World of Warcraft has kind of like the default kill things, right? Know right. your rotations kind of thing, but it also has the gathering resources mini game or the pet battles mini game, which is basically Pokemon, except it's okay. inside World of Warcraft. I mean, there's just like so much stuff in yeah. World of Warcraft now; it's mind-boggling. 
plus, of course, there's the, the sheer and super obvious fact that it's uh, a mechanics-driven game where you have to play with others. Yeah, which is... It's good in one way, and then in another way, it is leads to excessive frustration against strangers. Leroy yeah. Jenkins! Yeah, sort of like that. Especially yeah. when you're in a 25-man raid, and you know that you're the best person and everyone else is failing. Especially yeah. if you're a tank... Because there's only yeah. two of you nowadays. And it's like, please, <laughs> everyone, please get it right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could see how that would be really frustrating, but also definitely would, would push it more into a multiplayer empathy game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where you have to be empathetic and uh, patient with the other players. <laughs> it is more of a real-world empathy <laughs> right, than right, it is right. a uh, game-based one. Although the story actually does have a lot of weird little quests that kind of create empathy for characters in the game, which is strange. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Like, there's one about a well, mage's I mean, apprentice who gets rejected, and, like, she ends up doing bad things, and then you have to kill her at the end of the quest. But you didn't know any of this beforehand. You basically pick up a letter inside yeah. of her, uh... It's on top of her. Like, you know, you loot her, right? Like you would <laughs> normally. And then it's like, oh, blood-soaked letter. Okay, I'll read this letter. And then it's like her... Her, um... What is it? Her mage... Her mage, like, teacher is like, I-, I picked you wrongly. You'd be better off being a basket weaver. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty And it's, rough. like, horrific, yeah. Yeah. And you killed her not not out of the fact that she was, like, a, a bad mage, but, like, because yeah. he was a jerk. Yeah. And he drove her to this, so. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, there's, like, weird little things like that in World of Warcraft that kind of make me keep playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's actually some interesting writing. Um, but you, you actually touch on something that I, I would be remiss to forget, uh, and that's that uh, empathy is actually inherent to most media, really. I mean, when the moment that you start telling another person's story or start telling a story, you're, go, you're stepping into that character's shoes in some way, shape, or form. We as human beings just have this amazing capacity to, if, you know, and, and if uh, I were to tell you that I have a pencil and its name is Steve, and then I break that pencil, you would feel something, you know? <laughs> the Pencil I, Steve, I, everyone's I, favorite I, new indie game. I'd feel scared of the person <laughs> who just, just told me that. <laughs> well, I'm, actually, I'm pulling that entirely from the first episode of Community. Um, but the, <laughs> the, there's, there's uh, something that's inherent to our ability to connect with other characters. And I think that that goes through all things. So that, that, it, it's a little silly to start categori- categorizing games as empathy uh, exclusively or to say that things are about uh, empathy uh, primarily. Um, but sometimes it's helpful to have these, these different kinds of categories. Anyway, um, Nelson, uh, how about you? Are there any other games that you can think of that do an amazing job of bridging the gaps that we haven't already talked about between uh, mechanics, empathy, and multiplayer? Or one or t- two of those? Um, yeah, I think that for me... Uh, really, a lot of the games uh, that we see lately in the indie industry are mashups. You know, mashups of yeah, the, past, the cool. past, just Shovel Knight and things. But for me, I think that the ultimate uh, games aren't so much the ones that bridge different game types, but the ones that bridge that divide between the screen and you as a player. You know, uh, you were speaking about this War of Mine, that Dragon Cancer, which is being kickstarted right now. Yeah. Uh, and I've had I've had a chance to uh, I, I looked at that game a bit and uh, I, I actually spoke to the developers a few times. So you talked to Josh and Ryan? 
Uh, well, I spoke to Josh, but it was okay. in a different setting. It wasn't specifically about that dragon cancer. Hopefully, we can have him on video games in the Bible one of these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I know personally the stories that in games. I think, uh, especially with the big push for emergent gameplay. Yeah, it's 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 much more like in Minecraft when you know you're digging and digging and digging, and you're always uh, and you always feel like you're about to die. Then at the last moment, you feed this dog, this wolf nearby, uh, some bones, and he takes down the skeleton for you. And then you know he becomes your companion, and then he ends up dying, saving your life. I mean, it's those little things that. Yeah, no, that's actually a really, really good point. Uh, and and Minecraft already does a good job of bridging both the mechanical and the and the multiplayer. Um, and I think that that's that's a testimony to its success, but also that that empathetic component is huge. I wonder if that dragon cancer is going to get at least one reference in every podcast we ever do. Yeah, hopefully. Because <laughs> yeah. every podcast that I'm on, <laughs> I feel like every podcast we've been on, it, it gets mentioned at least once. Yeah, it's amazing for a game that that isn't done. <laughs> Consider it, yes. So when it is done, then we're going to have to mention it twice a podcast. Well, it's yeah. I, I know I know. He, we've already established my indie hipster tendencies, but the, the the one thing that I do know about myself is that the moment that something actually comes out that I've been anticipating and and shilling on all of my friends and, and people who don't play games for a while, like what I did with Gone Home, when it finally comes out, I'm like, yes, it's really good. What, you haven't played it yet? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Anyway, it's yeah, it's, it's really cool. Whatever. Let's talk yeah. about something else. Hype makes it substantially <laughs> less uh, interesting when you actually play the game. And, and, and that is why I played... Uh, uh, brother or tale of two sons and i had seen that hyped so much people were talking oh, about that yeah. that gave them all the feels and all yeah. that i i played uh brother or tale of two sons i don't know if i'm just a disturbed twisted maniac or what i just didn't feel anything did you, i yeah, was did like do anything for you and, that, and that's entirely yeah. about hype cycles the hype cycles can actually really destroy things so um if yeah, uh, I, I, if I had not had it hyped up so much that this is you know like yeah. the game of the year, spike game of the year, then right. I would not. I I would have. I think I would have felt more. I think it was actually the games I haven't had any hype for. Uh, games like Car- Cargo Commander, which I don't know if you've heard of. No, uh, that is an indie game we reviewed on Vivian's Bible a while back. Um, that basically what happens is you it, it places you in the role of this father. Uh, you have been. What your family thinks is that you just received a promotion. What you actually have been is uh, you've been turned into a cargo commander. They think you've been moved to a new office and everything, but actually you're going to space. And um, it's and you're clearing out and you're gathering uh, all this different cargo to send back to the home company uh, to try to earn your way back home. And every time you think you're making some progress – uh, the goal is pushed back a little bit. Like, oh, actually, you won't be able to come home yet. And you get these letters from your family. Yeah. Uh, such as, you know, uh, your son misses you and he sends you a drawing and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. your heart is literally breaking because it's sort of like, this is a story that especially, you know, it's very common to America, you know, of the, of, especially of the family being broken yeah. apart, possibly, possibly by work or whatever. And, you know, trying to keep a family in the midst of that. But in this game, you're... Hundreds of miles away. You're no, you're mil. You're, uh, you're hundreds in, of light years. Yeah. Yeah, you're in freaking space. I mean, I know yeah. military. I know military members, and I've seen their struggle. Um, and I've been an army brat myself, but yeah, you're in freaking space, and in that moment where you read that letter from your wife, and she's talking about the difficulties back home, and you can do nothing, and yeah. your goal just got pushed back. You feel something in that moment, and it isn't the most mecha- mechanically solid game. It's a very fun one. 
But yeah. it's things like that, I think, that speak to the testament that our medium is finally growing up. No, that's actually, that's actually a really, really good point because I think I, I actually got it in some kind of bundle years ago. Not years ago, but when it, you know, like it came out two years ago. So some, sometime in the past two years, I got it. And I realized um, there's something that didn't quite resonate with me, but I, and I didn't know that what you just shared about Cargo Commander. So I'm going to go reinstall it and share it with himself sometime. <laughs> well, now I hyped it up. You're not yeah. going to yeah. like it as much. No, probably not. <laughs> I, I prefer uh, my games immature. So I, 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 like, I like going in <laughs> with low expectations. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I went into it with no expectations whatsoever. Actually, no, I found actually out really uh, there is – be careful about when you're doing WASD. If you accidentally hit the F key, your character will start, start screaming expletives. And you yeah. actually have – there's actually an option to turn that off uh, on our website. You can uh, – it, it shows how to do that. The, oh, it's, it's the some, F key. OK. <laughs> I understand now. It's this – they call it the stress relief button. And uh, we – Oh, wow. And it's funny. some weird – you have to go into the registry and uh, change the, the entry from you know, uh, stress relief from zero to one or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. And uh yeah, we have the instructions for that, but yeah, the game is definitely um That's funny. You know, yeah, that it 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 show we get that story more and more often. I'm starting to think that just as people talked about that I'd actually be interested to see in like 10 years, extrapolate 10 years from now, stuff like this war is mine is revolutionary. You know, yeah. uh gone home such as that, that's revolutionary. 10 years from now, uh the same way we talked about violence early on, you know, desensitizing us, will people say, "Oh, well games desensitize you to feeling emotions." Huh. It would be interesting to see if that ever comes yeah. around because you never really know. Yeah, I don't know. Um but yeah, so that that's actually a really good good point to uh close out our show today. Yes. Um I thank will you continue so- to play childish games for the rest of my life. Yes. Unfortunately. I- <laughs> yes, that, that that is that is perfectly acceptable. Um, sort of. So, uh, there, 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 no matter what you play, there's always going to be someone who is going to say that your games are dumb or just doesn't like the kinds of games that you like, and that's okay. Uh, sometimes, you know, because sometimes. yeah, because sometimes it's it's good to just tell people to shut up and go away. Uh, and that is uh, the way that I'm going to end the show. So we love you guys. Shut up and go away. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, I really think we should end it right there. Just like, <laughs> shut up and go away. Okay. Okay. Um, before you shut up and go away, please uh, give us uh, some attention and love on iTunes. Uh, give us, the us Give us give the us, rating. Give us any kind of rating. If, if you're listening to this on your way to work, um, pull over to the side of the road. And go into the go into your podcast app store and just give us some stars. Um, yeah. And I know that's not going to make you. It's not going to make you late to work. I promise your time will be multiplied. <laughs> <laughs> we give time here at Theology Gaming. Yes, yeah, yes. We give it. So uh, that's it for me. And uh, Zach, is there anything else you want to say as the uh, the boss man? Uh, go to Theology Gaming University Facebook group. We like talking about things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the end. Love you guys. Drop and go away. Bye.